I remember when we finally were able to move out of my grandparents' house and she could afford to buy a condo outside of Philadelphia and they increased her mortgage rate by two and a half percentage points because they considered her as a single mother as high risk. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up. And you know what? Being a grown up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, financial grown up friends. You may want to go back and replay that opening quote. It really happened. And yes, it is unbelievable. Welcome all. And to our new listeners, so glad you found us. Take a minute, please. Make sure you're subscribed and say hi on the socials to let me know that you're here. Bobby Rebel one on Instagram, Bobby Rebel on Twitter. Let's get to our guest, Joan Cool, K-U-H-L Cool. She is the founder of Why Millennials Matter and the author of Misunderstood Millennial Talent. Her latest book, which we're going to be talking about, is Dig Your Heels In. And when you hear in our interview about the incredible experiences her mom had, that's who she was talking about at the opening of the show, you're going to truly appreciate what a great role model Joan had in her mom and what a great role model Joan is. Here is Joan Cool. Hey, Joan Cool, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bobby. I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited because I got a sneak peek at your new book, Dig Your Heels In. Um, you are both a speaker, you're a consultant, you founded Why Millennials Matter, and also Courage to Stay. And as I mentioned, now you've got Dig Your Heels In, which is really about how to navigate, um, I don't know, we try to keep the E off the show, so I'm just going to say the corporate um, BS and build the company that you deserve, which is a book long overdue. I wish we were talking off like, I wish I had this book when I had my corporate jobs, Joan. I know. Well, I'm here now. And so this is to empower the women that are working right now and make sure we pave the way for the next generation. Absolutely. And speaking of next generation, you learned so much from your mom. Yeah. So observing a mom that was really trying to build a better life for us. I remember when we finally were able to move out of my grandparents' house and she could afford to buy a condo outside of Philadelphia and they increased her mortgage rate by two and a half percentage points because they considered her as a single mother as high risk. So ridiculous. Wait, wait, wait. They charged her more money because yep. she had one income as a single mother. Therefore, she should pay more. Yep. They lobbed on extra points onto her interest, you know, her mortgage rate just because they considered her high risk. And like, it was little things like that, that I observed. It wasn't until I was older and we had those conversations, you know, when I was going after my first job offer and she was really in my corner saying, you know, negotiate, read everything and, you know, in details, because I think that's when we started to understand some of the discrimination against women. Many people don't realize we take this for granted that as a woman, you could own a home, but this was really revolutionary. And I guess that's why they were able to pay, make her pay more. I mean, you talk about the pink tax. 
Yeah, it's funny. I mean, this a lot of this connects into why I wrote Dig Your Heels and even just thinking about the decisions that women make and sometimes feel forced to make because they're in you know a male-dominated situation or a situation ripe with bias. So yeah, of course, with, you know, my mother was actually a teacher and then she became uh, a secretary. She had multiple jobs. She was a secretary and she was trying to get an advanced degree and then she was logging miles to get her pilot's license, ultimately to get her on the door to become an air traffic controller because she was kind of studying these fields that she thought she had the skills to transition into that would give her a higher income and ultimately triple her income from being an inner city school teacher. So it's just things like that that really inspired me. Okay, well, women should be able to go after what we want, right? But we should also not be pushed out of fields that we love or companies that we work so hard to get in the door of because we're not being paid equally. Right. And so there's the double irony. So she wasn't able to be paid equally to men. And yet she was being forced to pay more at the time than men. When she had the situation with, for example, the mortgage at that time, did she have any recourse? Was she able to negotiate at all? Or was it, if you want a mortgage, this is what it is. This is what it is. It's funny. And now like I've seen over probably since my early teens. I mean, my mom will negotiate anything, even in an Ann Taylor in the mall, um, you know, with her phone bills. And I think it was because of those experiences where she felt so scared, right? She's got, got like, a, even though I saw her as brave and courageous, she, you have a fear when you're, you know, a single parent of like, I, she just finally got the money to get us into a better home. You know, why would she risk not getting the loan approved just because they were discriminating her against her in terms of the rate? That's incredible. So what is the lesson for our listeners from this story? I mean, obviously, first of all, always negotiate. But what do you think your lesson would be? What would your mom's lesson be? Well, I think it is absolutely know what we deserve. And so I think that it is, you know, not sometimes when we are in a situation where we do think somebody might have more knowledge than us. So, I mean, that's a situation where you're going for a home loan or something. You think, oh, well, this person has the expertise. They have the credibility. And if they're pushing back on something I'm asking for, maybe there's a legitimate reason. I wouldn't let it stop there. You know, I think that that's why there's so many amazing organizations right now of women talking to each other. One of the biggest things I, I've learned from my mom is we have to talk about money. You know, one story I'll quick share with you. I felt confident negotiating my salary and asking for a higher salary than most people when I graduated from college because of the met my friends that were guys that graduated the year before and were getting recruited by all these big consulting firms. They were bragging to me, telling me what their starting salary was, but I used that to then tell people what I thought I deserved. That's amazing. And what kind of reaction did you get when you asked for those higher numbers? I will never forget sitting in front of this woman and it was actually a hotel uh, management company. And I told her and she literally laughed at me. She was so condescending. Like she could not believe I had the gall to say a woman. Yeah. And it happens. Right. And I said to her, and I just started spouting off. I'm like, this company, this company, Deloitte, Accenture, PricewaterhouseCoopers, all these companies, and this is the kind of benefits they offer. And I've, I'm in the final rounds of interviewing with them too. So I also know I'm the number one candidate for this job. And you know, this is where I always laugh when they say millennials are entitled. I think that anyone that's young that kind of has the chutzpah to say, this is what I know is the market value. And I'm and I, I would knew that I would work my butt off wherever I went. And so I always felt that that gave me the confidence to say, hey, like this is what I believe I'm worth. And also, hi, look how much it costs to go to school these days. It's interesting. And the men will discuss money as a way of bragging, but very often women don't discuss it at all. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I even just remember 
when we were at graduation and my mom was so proud and my godmother came with her too to my and I was the, the the speaker at my graduation huge university university of pittsburgh for the college of business and a couple of my girlfriends that we were all had been presidents of clubs and had multiple job offers our parents were like so excited talking to each other and we were so embarrassed that they were talking about you know that we had these jobs or the amount of money or what the salaries were whereas we knew that all the guys around us were like you know high-fiving they were telling their older brothers it was just it's this strange thing that we feel like we have to shrink ourselves versus just talk about something that allows us to really feel it on a level playing field and that's I think where men can actually be our partners and our assets because we are their daughters, their wives, their friends, their girlfriends, their sisters, their nieces, and so on. And they want to support us. So I think it's great that you really got support and information from your male friends and classmates to get that better offer. And, and that's why it's really an issue for everyone. And I think it's important that it be address that men can be our best advocates and our best assets in this as well. Yeah. I've built out a lot of men as allies programs and, and healthcare companies and sports companies. And there are so many men that are coming to the table saying, I want, I believe my colleagues should be treated fairly. And I want to be a part of this new world where everyone has equal opportunity to go to a workplace that's fair and access equally accessible to advancement, anything that we want. Well said. Let's move on to your everyday money tip, Joan, because this is something we can all relate to, but we don't always do, and we should go for it. So I have this $200 cash roll that kind of by happenstance became a, a trick that I use. I think it was because, A, I used to realize I never had cash on me all the time and living in New York City. It's, it's a must-have. But it also allows me to see where unexpected things um, come up. So now as a mother of a you know, five and a one-year-old, you've got birthday parties or there's sometimes where I always try to save and take public transportation, buses and, and subways, pride myself on that. But I look at the $200 roll. I take it out on the first of the month. Like I took it out this morning and guess what? Unfortunately, today I got my hair done this morning. So I'm halfway done with that, with $200 cash. Yeah. But that's the thing I always say, okay, this is my barometer of like how well I'm planning for our expenses. It's not like budgeting, but things come up like the birthday gifts or, you know, my daughter needs something extra for an after school activity, or I am like, you know what? I want to go out tonight and I didn't plan for it. So that's kind of my role just looking at where the cash goes. I think that's really important because it also gives you an indication of that's how fast your actual cash is going, yeah. which can feel more painful. Think how much is going that's sort of just automated in your life that's being sucked out of your bank accounts for all of those bills, which we should automate, of course, yes. but we don't really feel it the same way. At least with the cash, you're feeling it. Let's talk about your book, Dig Your Heels In. So important. I feel like this is sort of the next wave. We had Lean In and that made sense to a lot of people at that time, but now You've really hit on something that is so important. Dig your heels in really. It's a metaphor, but it's not. I mean, it's, it's literal too, to a large degree. And I love a quote from the book that you say, by leaving your company, are you running away from something or running towards something? Are you jumping ship because you just, quote, can't deal any longer? Or is the new opportunity something that really excites you and fulfills your career ambition? Because sometimes 
There's a lot of running away, Joan. Yeah. There really is. Yeah. And I always say, you know, digging your heels in is a personal decision. And so I'm no way, shape, or form telling everyone to grit and bear it if your situation's toxic. But the majority of time, the women that I've met over the years, and I've interviewed hundreds of women around the world for global research projects, you know, you get backed into a corner. And I think sometimes the sexy thing in popular culture right now is to you'll get a bigger title or a, a bigger promotion um, or more money if you jump and go ship or that the only way to advance is to you know be a girl boss and start your own thing. But the truth is you have so much equity in where you are right now and so much opportunity to really transform that company and taking stock, taking a deep breath, really thinking about those aha moments. What is really frustrating you there? How can you turn that into fuel and really disrupt the status quo? We're never going to, I think, really achieve this inclusive culture and workplace if we don't dig our heels in and, and, and go after the things that we deserve. And you also point out in the book that we think that we're the only ones feeling a certain way, but you interviewed the very highest achieving female executives who look their lives look perfect on the outside. And as you got to know them, and as they opened up to you, these top executives were barely surviving rather than thriving as you perceived them to be. Yeah, that threw me completely for a loop. I, you know, I was so naive in my mindset of thinking they were living this glamorous career, personal and professional lives, and to really hear their battle scars of what they had gone through and they endured taught me a lot about sometimes that dynamic between women at work and different generations, but also, you know, that we still have so much work to do. And, you know, I interviewed Reese Witherspoon a couple months ago, who also told me that she has bouts with imposter syndrome. I mean, it's Reese Witherspoon. So one side of this is the self-limiting mindset that we can figure out how to overcome. And some of that is pushed on us because of bias in the system and around us. But the other side of it is the system's broken. And I think that's why we need to identify some tactical ways to change it. And that's what I went dig your heels in to be a real playbook that shows examples of women doing just that. I love that because you have a lot of these broad strokes. You have a lot of really important statistics in this book, but you also interview women and give very specific stories that are relatable to all of us. And we see ourselves in that. And there's a lot of value in that. So I really hope everyone will pick up Dig Your Heels In. So Joan, just to wrap up, tell us where people can get the book and hear more about you, be in touch with you, your socials, all that good stuff. Awesome. So I have a brand new website, joankuhl.com, J-O-A-N-K-U-H-L. Dig Your Heels In. We have a fantastic website that's digyourheelsin.com. And the book is sold everywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Target, Walmart, you name it. Um, and if you order it and you go and enter your information on my website, you will get a ton of free resources that I developed as things that are masterclasses on work and life hacks and some great jumpstart your career guides. And on social, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I'm at Joan Cool as well. Awesome. Thank you, Joan. Thanks, Bobby. I love talking to you. All right, my friends, here's my take. Financial grown-up tip number one. I want to address something that Joan alluded to, but we didn't really get to explore fully, and that is that we are having a cultural moment where we really glorify the idea of the entrepreneur, of being the boss babe, and so on. We hear so many stories about being a boss. And changes in cultural norms and in technology do allow a lot more entrepreneurship, but don't be fooled. There is no paycheck coming every two weeks, at least not for a long time for most entrepreneurs. And of course, there's that healthcare thing. And you can't just say, I quit and just instantly have a business. There are a lot of things 
that go on in order to have a successful business. And it rarely is an overnight success. There are usually years of hard work behind the scenes that you don't hear about when you read these articles of what seems like overnight successes. So it's important that you acknowledge and understand that as Joan talks about, there are a lot of great things that can happen in a corporate job as well. You can be an entrepreneur, which means you sort of build little businesses within a company, but with the company's support, which includes, of course, that ongoing paycheck and that financial security of a job. So tread carefully before you jump. And also, of course, read Joan's book. Financial grown-up tip number two, keep your ears open and gather intel. Joan was able to negotiate a better deal because her male friends were bragging. Tune in to what others of both sexes are saying. That can be in person, and it can also be maybe in chat rooms online. It can be being part of a mastermind group or even on social media platforms, for example, Facebook groups and so on. It's a cliche for a reason. Information is power. I hope you all enjoyed spending time with us today. Now I need your help. Please make sure you are subscribed. And if you have friends or colleagues that you think will enjoy these interviews and these podcast episodes with, for example, amazing role models like Joan, please encourage them to subscribe as well. And of course, ratings and reviews are gold to us. We appreciate every single one. Big thanks to Dig Your Heels and author Joan Cool for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grown-ups. Financial Grown-Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.